You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 87. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jalon Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! And... We are joined by Chris Higgins, who is the organizer of Skepticam Manchester. Woo-hoo. Hi, Chris. G'day. Hey. That's my international greeting. G'day. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. G'day. I was wondering about That's that. because you're from Australia, right? That's correct. Australia, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's not the first time you ever appear on our show. No, it's not. I think uh, it was, it was uh, post-QED last year. I remember we were... Uh, we, you and I were sat at the back of the room waiting for someone to come on and, and just had a bit of a chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I happen to have um, um, a recorder with me. So What? <laughs> what? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but if you haven't heard it on the show, that means you're not a listener of the show. No, I heard it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so what brings you um, back to the show? So uh, pretty much the same reason as last time, actually. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, we are all happy to have you. It's, it's I'm just, thrilled to be here. Uh, there is a specific reason why, why we have you now. Yeah, so um, as I'm sure most of, of your listeners are aware, um, we've got uh, QED coming up in, in two months. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm sure you guys will all be there. Oh yeah, indeed. Happy days. Um, but the <laughs> um, the the thing that we're doing again this year, which which we've done the last few years, is uh, is we're running a skeptic camp on the first day of the of the event on the Friday. It's kind of an unofficial third day now. The 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 QED organisers have kind of, you know, they they booked the space. They've they've got the hotel booked for the Friday. Uh, and a few years ago, they kind of went well. We've got the space. Why don't we just sort of do something extra? Um, and decided to put on a skeptic camp. So this is the fourth one now, I think. Um, yeah, it just kind of keeps getting bigger every year. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just thought I'd have a chat to you guys about it. Yeah, it's always great fun. Skeptic camp is part of QD, really, and it, I think it's great to see people that are not necessarily very famous or or, mm. or prominent in the. But you know, we, the the thing I like about the the skeptics movement is that it's full of people who, in the background, do a lot of great things yeah. and don't really get a lot of recognition. And skeptic camp is one opportunity for them to do get this uh, recognition. Absolutely. And and that's kind of the great thing about it is that you don't have to be famous, I guess, to, to, to give a talk. You know, it, anyone can sort of register and, and get involved, um, which is amazing. Yeah. And, and I think we've we've had people who, who sort of gave talks at the first and second um, Skeptic Camps, you know, all those years ago, who are now actually, you know, doing the Skeptics in the Pub circuit and who are presenting at QED. And, um, you know, it's 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 really, really cool that they just sort of started out at Skeptic Camp. Mm. The other aspect of this is that all of our Skeptics uh, have something in common 
common and that that's the need to express our 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 opinions and and speak our minds mm. and that is a very good opportunity to do so but we wouldn't necessarily have any any other way so it's uh, very much appreciated by the whole community i'm pretty sure about that yeah mm. and it's it's great to come and, and listen to as well because you get you know a variety of topics that you haven't yeah. even thought about yeah. uh, and and it's really really great and it's short and it's quick uh, it's uh, tell tell us about the format, Chris. You have a special format for for how these talks are given. Yeah, so the the format is is kind of loosely based on the ignite. Uh, format um, and and the idea is that everyone who registers gets their own 15 minute slot and they have a maximum of 10 minutes for their talk and then five minutes for questions uh, and and the way it works is if you've got a, a slide deck every slide is set to advance after 20 seconds so it just happens automatically no one has to control anything it's just done um, What's great about that is it really it really encourages people to keep talking. You know, I think often, particularly with people who aren't used to public speaking, you know, you can you can kind of dwell on one slide, and then all of a sudden the talk's gone on for three days. Um, and <laughs> uh, but but having that automated thing where it just goes through, and you've literally got ten minutes, and you just have to keep keep going and, and keep energized, um, has worked really really well. Uh, and we've done that the past. Uh, three years actually um, mm-hmm. and it's it's worked fantastically yeah, yeah but some people cannot really keep up with the, with the, that very fast changing of the slides but it can lead to very funny moments as well <laughs> it, it does <laughs> it does and look some people will, will kind of you know ditch the slides completely and, and not use them <laughs> and just uh, and just give a talk um, which is great um, but other people you know who, who have who have the slides and want to use them it is a it's a really fun way of of keeping the keeping the dialogue going. Let me ask you a very technical question. Uh, if someone registers, uh, do they have to set it up themselves for for no. the slides to move on, or, or the, no. they, they just send it off to you and and you take care of that? They send it to me, and then I uh, sit in the hotel until midnight uh, the <laughs> night before, going, "Damn, why didn't I do this earlier?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the reasons why is probably that that they don't send it over to you early enough. No, no, no. Everyone's really good at sending their presentations oh, over. Really? I'm just lazy. Okay. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> Very good. And what? Why do you do it in the first place? I mean, we briefly touched on this uh, when when we had our our uh, short chat um, on one of our earlier episodes. But what keeps you you doing this? Uh, do do so. I mean, it's 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 a good opportunity to just get involved in the community you know i i'm i mm. i don't um you know give talks and stuff like that but actually being being able to to organize an event like this and have something every year and, and something that you know to sort of contribute um mm. is is really enjoyable and it's very very much appreciated i mean i mean it's 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 amazing it must be a hell of a lot of work yeah uh, it's not really. Not really. <laughs> I, I wish I could say it was, but I, I can't lie to you guys. No, it's look. You know, everyone's really great. We, you know, and and thanks to to you guys, um, you know, and the other kind of outlets within the community that are happy to promote events like this. Mm. Um, you know, people do come on and register, and the registrations seem to disappear pretty quick. Everyone's great at getting their presentations in. Um, yeah, and the, the, the tech team at QED sort of organize everything. I'm just there to sort of, you know, make sure everyone's in the right place at the right time. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. Like last year was, 
you know the the room was absolutely rammed i think it was standing room only by the uh, by the end of the day which is oh yeah it's kind of crazy um you know it's just <laughs> this this sort of little fringe event um it's fantastic but it really gives you an idea of of how much in people's mind it is part of QED. So it's it's a completely inseparable. Hmm. I, th- I think it is now. Um, yeah. it, it is kind of the the you know it's it's the third day um, of of QED, which is you know which is which is really cool. And and people do turn up early. You know the the if you, if you stand outside the room, it's not just people are kind of dribbling in at the start. It's like there's a queue outside just waiting for the oh, door yeah. to open. <laughs> um, you know, before, you know, they sit there and people will stay for the whole day and they'll watch all the talks and then in the evening they'll um they'll go and hang out in the bar. Oh yeah. So how many s- slots do you have? How many speakers will there be? And if people are still interested, is there still a chance to to uh, sign up. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it it depends. To be honest, it you know the the number of slots depends on how many people actually come in. Um, I think we can kind of go up to up to twenty or so, even sort of twenty four. That's kind of a a six hour event. Uh, no, actually twenty because there's an hour in the middle for lunch. So we can go up to about twenty. Um, if there's not as many, you know, we can kind of scale it back and do like a you know an eleven till three thirty or something like that. It just depends on on who wants to actually. Um, give a talk and how many registrations we get through. But yeah, there's there's definitely space. So mm. if you've got two months, uh, well, less than two months, but two months to put together a talk. So if anyone wants to, uh, they can go to the website, which is skepticamp.co.uk, um, and fill in their details, and uh, and then they're on the list. Fantastic. Nice. Sounds good. Okay. And uh, just to be on the safe side, is it is it completely free? Yes. Uh, to attend and give a talk. To attend and to give a talk. So the event is is kind of sponsored and paid for by the QED organisers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're very hands off in it. They just give us the room and um, you know and kind of the the the, the platform. Um, and and then uh, myself and and the people who are giving the talks obviously sort of organise and put the whole thing together. But it's it's paid for by QED. There's no there's no attendance fee. There's no ticketing required. You can just turn up on the day. Um, it's completely free, and you don't even have to have a QED ticket to attend. You can just come in for the Friday and not attend QED. Of course, I would recommend that you do attend QED <laughs> and that you go to the QED website and buy a ticket to QED. But I can't force you to do that. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. And uh, where is it that it takes place again, and when? So it's at the McCure in Manchester, uh, mm-hmm. the the McCure Piccadilly. Uh, I think the hotel's called. It's the original QED hotel, yeah. uh, and it's this year. It's on Friday, the thirteenth of October. Ooh, I just realised it's on Friday the thirteenth. <gasps> Oh my god, that's terrifying! You have to have a talk on that. Somebody needs to give a talk on Someone that. Someone should definitely give a talk on that, Andres. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Actually, so I could, I could of... give a talk on on why there are no room numbers in hotels that end in thirteen, and there are no level thirteens on ho- in hotels and that kind of stuff. I could, I could, I could give a complete talk about that. I might even do that. I expect <laughs> to see your registration any minute now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, thanks very much for coming on and and uh, shedding some light on uh, what's to look forward to. And uh, hope uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah, I'll see you guys at QED. I can't wait. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. See you. Bye. 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 Take care. Bye. Bye. Nice. Really can't wait to be there at QED and Skepticamp and everything. It's so exciting. Yes. 
And by that time, the European Skeptics Congress will already be behind us. <laughs> wow. What an autumn we're looking forward to. Mm. Wow. Talking about what we're looking forward to, it seems like we are safe in terms of hosting our podcast. We've got a couple of questions from listeners whether we were going to be in trouble in terms of hosting our podcast uh, because of SoundCloud uh, experiencing some uh, financial difficulties. Mm. But now it turns out, uh, um, according to uh, SoundCloud themselves, because they issued a state, uh, press release about that um, a couple of days ago, and The Verge wrote about it as well, that uh, SoundCloud seems to be safe now after an investment of nearly $170 million. That should keep the ESP in, in, in business for a while. Oh, yeah, $170 million? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think so, yeah. That's on the low side, <laughs> but I think we can manage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we hope to be able to celebrate several of our birthdays uh, while hosting our podcast on SoundCloud. <laughs> but talking about birthdays, let me mention another birthday. That's a seventh birthday of Retraction Watch. Oh. Sometimes we use it as a source to talk about issues with uh with um scientific papers retraction watch is a very important tool and uh it's been going on for seven years now which is unbelievable mm. they have a, a huge database as well that contains close to eight thousand entries that they they could carefully examine and and have some detailed information about uh, and that seems to be about 90% of all the the known retracted papers out there. Yeah. So that is a huge amount of work. Yeah. Uh, so, so just to be clear, what what they're what they're all about is that they keep a track on on the publicize whenever a scientific paper has been retracted from. For cause of different reasons, it could be fraud, yeah, yeah. but it could also be because of mistakes or or, or 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 other things. But it's a very good sign that the scientific method is working, because uh, sometimes scientific papers, scientific investigations are found to be misleading or wrong or yeah. not reliable, and then they sh that should be you know that should be known so that people know that this one was not as good as they thought in when they published it yeah yeah so um it's it's a very important thing to do and to track as well mm. so it's it all has a lot to do with the, the transparency of science which is one of its greatest characteristics that is transparent it can be checked and and uh, one of the most uh, talked about paper that has been retracted among skeptics is probably that written by andrew wakefield oh in back in 1998 sure uh, on the lancet and uh, even though it has got uh, retracted the idea the silly idea of um, the, the vaccinations causing autism still circulate hmm. yeah imagine that of course leading to a lot of problems oh but i i still love that that website 
you know, the vaccineimpact.com. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's your favorite they, uh, site. Yeah, they I now link to, yeah, I, I've, <laughs> I've already said that on the show, but whenever I'm feeling down or, or my blood pressure is too low or I'm too sleepy, <laughs> I just read something from the Vaccine Impact website and then I'm done. Um, <laughs> Up in gear again. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, they, they literally link everything to, to vaccinations. Lately, I've I read that they even link obesity to vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Obesity among children is uh, mainly due to vaccinations, uh, according to them. So, mm. yeah, yeah, people, I'm sure be careful is. with those vaccinations. But if someone uh, among our listeners knows something else that could keep our blood pressure at bay, please let us know. Please get in touch. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of listeners who would who would know something like that. Um, you can get in touch uh, by emailing us. It's info at theesp.eu. Uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at espodcast underscore eu. Or you can like us on Facebook, uh, send us a message there, or go on our website, which is theesp.eu, and complete a contact form. Yeah. And when you're at the website, please look at the, the events in Europe page because there you can find all about what's happening in europe it's fantastic to see how much skepticism is going on all the skeptics in the pub all the other things going on and uh, that's good uh, check that out and we wouldn't mind if you uh, uh, click on the donate button and send us a few euros uh, if you can afford it yeah every single contribution is very much appreciated oh and talking about things that uh, that are worth contacting us about, um, if you think that you would like to host an event with Susan Gerbic, uh, Mark Edward and myself um, somewhere in your country, uh, let it be somewhere in Germany, Austria, Switzerland uh, or somewhere around that area, uh, please get in touch. Because now it seems that after after the European Skeptics Congress, Susan, Mark and myself will go on a bit of a tour, uh, starting out in Göttingen in Germany, uh, where we do have an invitation already. And we have another invitation to Zurich. Ooh. So we, we have the, the event on the 25th of September in Göttingen uh, in Germany. And uh, seems like the 28th will be the, the date for the event in Zurich, in Switzerland. So in between, we are still free. And uh, all the three of us would be more than happy to, to visit any of the skeptics across Europe uh, within driving distance from those cities, of course. Great. I wish I could go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about everything that is um, current events. So why don't we move on to uh, doing our regular segments of the show? Starting with This Week in Skepticism, presented by Yelena Levin. I want to talk about a Nobel Prize laureate who was a very well-known scientist at the time, Charles Robert Richard, who was a French uh, physiologist at the Collège de France, known for his pioneering work in immunology. And he was born on the 25th of August, 1850, which is the week of the release of this episode. 
he won an, his Nobel Prize in recognition of his work on uh, anaphylaxis, um, which is a dangerous, severe and potentially life-threatening allergic reaction. And the reason why I want to talk about him today is because he also, amongst other things, seriously studied ectoplasm. And ectoplasm, for those of our listeners who, who are not aware of it, is a go well, they call it ghost slime, or something that's been produced by a medium during the seance uh, that they claim to be a spirit, which is like a physical manifestation of a spirit. And it's, in well, it's interesting that he seriously studied it because it... Well, as far as we're concerned and as far as we know, or I can maybe talk to, for myself only, I don't think, I don't think it exists. It's not, it's not, it's a made up thing. And in fact, some mediums were exposed for, for the fakery. And, um, we know that when they were exposed, it, uh, all they found was that it was just, um, some bits of cloth and, you know, stuff and stuff like that. And it was all just a, a staged fakery. So yes, it's not an, an in, you know it's it's not an invention of some classic movie like a Ghostbuster, and in fact the term ectoplasm was coined by these Nobel laureate uh, Charles Richard, Ooh. which is even more surprising. <laughs> yeah. So he was one mm -hmm. of the first to start seriously studying it, presumably because maybe back in that time there were a lot of first. Uh, mediums and seances happening all over the world or all, all over the country in, in his instance france must must be very and hard to study because it must be hard to come by i have you well, know well I what ghost if, sign ghost sign <laughs> well i wonder if it wasn't uh, i wonder if if um uh, at the time that probably he could have found more than one in his neighborhood more than one seance to study so he attended the seances and he witnessed the the visions of those so-called ghosts. Yeah, he he's probably well, not probably, but for sure, seen many many um, many such seances in his time. And uh, regardless of the fact that he was a prolific scientist and obviously had the uh, tools necessary to understand what's real and what's not, he still fell for it, which, again, just proves that how fallible we all are. And it doesn't matter that you're a Nobel laureate or um, whoever, you can still fall for mm. something like that. Mm. Now, we've seen that before, that even no Nobel laureates can fall yeah. for things that are bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, since then, this uh, phenomenon has been studied by many other scientists. So he isn't obviously alone. Um, and I think in the past we have covered one of the mediums who used that in the seance. Um, I just can't remember the name of that medium. But like I mentioned before, that when uh, the mediums were exposed, it just turned out to be nothing but, you know, uh, bits of cloth. Mm. So let that be the lesson again. Yet another lesson to all of us. Uh, we have to stay vigilant and uh, don't believe everything we see with our own eyes. But um, yes, use um, our skepticism and... Um, common sense mm. but he he wasn't into stuff like racism and, and and anything like that right well funny that you said that <laughs> he yeah he also believed um in inferiority of, of blacks and uh, as well as that he was a proponent of eugenics and eugenics um is uh, is a set of beliefs 
and practices that aims at improving the genetic quality of a group of individuals. Mm. Usually by killing people who are not uh, good enough. Huh? Or sterilizing yeah. people. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He, he had some questionable beliefs all, all around, I guess you you might say. Mm, yeah. Do you guys know what, who the, the most, uh, the, the, the best known proponent of eugenics was? And the, the uh, so-called the father of eugenics? Francis Galton, who was who is our half cousin of Charles Darwin's. <laughs> oh, there you go, there you go, family, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. again, yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because of eugenics that a lot of people reject uh, Darwinism because they connect it to social Darwinism. Yeah, and that's a very inhumane kind of ideology. Yeah, and a big misunderstanding about what what, uh, and I don't like the term Darwinism. The the yeah, yeah. what evolution actually yeah, yeah. entails. Yeah, yeah, and and Charles Darwin was was absolutely horrified by the ideas of the eugenics movement, but uh, he could not do anything about it. No. So this uh, example shows us that you should not. Take, you know, just because you're a Nobel laureate, you don't know everything and you're not correct about everything. Yeah. And you have to be, I don't know what it takes for a Nobel laureate to, to realize that. Skepticism, maybe? <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I'm quite convinced that it's the same thing with every kind of celebrity. When a lot of people listen to you and a lot of people have open ears to whatever you have to say. Uh, you you need to be very modest, not to to think that you're always right. Yeah, and uh, otherwise you will become Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, that's, oh, yeah. she, you know she doesn't even claim to be uh, a Nobel laureate or far from it. But just because everybody listens to what she says, she thinks she's right about everything. And oh, there's yeah. n- lots of examples. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Yelena. All right. We did manage to deviate that that conversation quite quite a bit, but uh, <laughs> from the original topic. Um, but it happens sometimes. Indeed, yeah. How how do you pronounce her na- his name? Charles Richet. I think so. I just said Charles Robert Richet, <laughs> ah, okay. which completely butchered his French name. I do apologize to all French listeners. <laughs> yeah, Charles. Thanks very much. Okay. And let's move on to discussing a couple of news items from Europe. Let's start with Belgium, where there is a skeptical organization called Comité Para. I'm going to try to pronounce the name because I just love it. (laughs) It's Comité Belge pour l'analyse critique des parations. It's part of the European Council of Skeptical Organizations, but it is known to be the oldest skeptical organization in Europe. Wow. And now what's what's really news about that is that they have had a recent change in the board of the organization. And that means that uh, the new board is full of young and energetic people who would like to change everything. So they gave themselves about a year to reform the whole organization. And um, the president is called Jeremy Royo, vice president Dorian Nirdel, and the treasurer Thomas Guillot, and there is an adjoint secretary Emmanuel Marseille. And I'm really hoping that I haven't butchered all the names. 
we wish you all the best for their work and hope to see them at some point at one of the European events, either QED or the European uh, Skeptics Congress. Um, so the next piece of news is from UK. And it's about a mother of three who has been investigated by the police um, after the claims that she used bleach to try to cure her young son's autism um, on secret Facebook group came out. The, the way that, that this became uh, known is uh, that one of the uh, people who fight these kind of beliefs, her name is Emma Dalmain, um, she infiltrated the Facebook group and um, the, um, discovered that this young mother was um, uh, confessing to have given her child um, a, a bleach treatment for um, autism. In what way? She was administering it via enema, but it can be also given as no. a or oral. That's terrible. Ingestion. I yeah. don't. I don't know. I can't decide which one would be would be worse. And um, oh she God. was she was just uh, kind of wondering why her son wasn't feeling that great. Um, I mean, yeah, Beck's uh, question. So then, of course, um, Emma complained to the police, and now uh, this mother is being investigated. But the um, sad thing about this story is that it's not the single case. It's happening all over UK and it's not illegal yet. I know that we are, we've had Fiona O'Leary in our show uh, who is has got a, a arts foundation, Autistic Rights Together Foundation, who is also fighting all sorts of quackery. And she's talked about it uh, before, um, about this treatment called either CD chloride dioxide or MMS, Master Miracle Solution. Miracle um, Solution, yeah, sure. Yeah, and um, as well as Emma, she, uh, Fiona is fighting against the, those quacks as well. But it's hard because obviously they can get money quick and it's uh, so-called medicine that doesn't cost much to sell, but they're charging an extortionate amount of money for it. So, and of course the problem is that the governments don't do anything about the problem um, and it's not illegal yet. So the people like Emma and Fiona are trying to bring it to public's attention and to pressure um, the authorities and to change legislation around it. So let's hope it will work. Mm. Sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that yeah. it's a problem. I, I can see, you can see it fairly clearly on 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 Facebook on other social media that there are there's secret groups where where practices like this is is promoted from one to another, and they really uh, so it, it really good work to infiltrate those groups once in a while to see to expose what's actually going on because it's really terrible mm -hmm. yeah. you know and, and it makes you think that that something has to be done and and that's that's my thought every single time i read something about on uh, on the vaccine impact website as well that this should not be legal to mislead people parents uh that that way these people really don't realize how much influence they have on people hmm. and how much responsibility they should take for the actions of those parents hmm. yeah yeah oh, yeah God. yeah it makes you really depressed all right let's go over to sweden where we have the, the swedish church we've talked about the the former state of churches in the nordic countries because it used to be state churches but now they are uh, separated from from the actual uh, state uh, 
but how they have lost uh, a lot of members lately after making it easy to leave the the church by using online services. And there are figures from Sweden now showing that the Swedish church lost uh, 1.5%, which may not sound like a lot, but that's actually 90,000 members last year alone. Mm. And, the, and the drop continues this year. But it really makes me think about it. It's more than 6 million people are, are still part of the Swedish church uh, out of 10 million in the whole country. And a lot of that has to do with that if you don't speak up once a, a baby is born he or she gets automatically uh, registered into the swedish church so it's a good way to recruit young <laughs> members who don't have a say in the matter but it's easier to get out of it now and people are doing it more and more and that makes religious people in sweden uh, worried <laughs> for real <laughs> and they're and they're blaming this on several things and lately it's been about how politicized the church has become especially mm -hmm. regarding the refugee situation okay so i think it's very positive because it well i have mixed feelings about that this is it's positive that the swedish church has come forward to take a stand for refugees in sweden but the sentiment seems to be that this is driving members away from the church which makes me really uh, depressed <laughs> yeah obviously listeners of the show know that i'm not a big fan of any church at all but uh, that there are members that may be leaving the church because the church is taking a stand for people uh, in need makes me have mixed feelings oh yeah so, in, in deep down, I hope that they're leaving the church because they realize that they're part of an organization built on, on, on nonsense. Uh, but uh, part of me realizes that it's, it's the other way around. They, they object to helping people, which makes me depressed in another way. So, anyway, that's, that's the trend. And, and the Swedish church really has a, a problem with, with losing membership just makes me remember that uh, I, I read somewhere just recently that uh, Hungary is leading in terms of xenophobia and fear from refugees, <laughs> even though we have nothing to experience of the problem yeah. compared to other countries across Europe. Yeah. It's all because of the rhetorics of the, the, the present government. I believe it's the same in Finland. Now I haven't researched that, but it, Finland has a big anti-refugee uh, sentiment and, and they are not accepting any refugees or any <laughs> foreign people at all so I don't know what so th they're afraid of something that's absolutely not a threat to them because yeah. they don't allow anybody to, to, to migrate I don't know yeah, yeah. They, they probably fear that if there are lots of uh, refugees they can hide in all those forests and <laughs> finland finland there are there are no places close to one another if you you can you can drive hours and hours and hours without reaching another <laughs> village that's where all the refugees are hiding yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, it's probably that, that that they fear 
Hmm. Okay, getting back to back on track. <laughs> Let's talk about Spain, where I have no idea what the refugee status is, but there is an organization, a fantastic organization called ARP, the Society for the Advancement of Critical Thinking, that has been operating for 30 years. Ooh. And this year, yeah, we've already mentioned that, but now they have their uh, 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 magazine, uh, El Esceptico, out, it's uh, the uh, 47th issue of, the, of the, the magazine, and it is a special 30 years anniversary issue of uh, ARP. Because ARP SAPC, the, the organization I talked, uh, talked about, is the one producing the, the magazine. And um, it's already out, so members probably have already received it. Uh, for those who speak and understand Spanish, please do check it out because going through some of the, the earlier articles on in, in the magazine, I really regret not reading in Spanish. That's that's um, a disadvantage on my on my part but um, there is another way of uh, getting to know everything that they do and the getting the latest news um, subscribe to digital skeptic which is um, uh, the newsletter and there is um, an option to subscribe on the website which is skepticos.es and uh, do check it out and that's where we get um, most of our information from as well so um, if you're interested in whatever we have to say about the Spanish skeptics please go and check it out because uh, it's a regularly updated website there is a lot going on there hmm. well this item is international um, and oh, it's from our uh, friend's blog at that Ernst um, who uh, publishes um, interesting uh, news and um, various um, updates and this time he writes about how alternative medicine uh, speeds up death of cancer patients um, if used instead of uh, con conventional medicine. Mm. He specifically talks about one press release uh, about the latest study that took place um, and the research actually um, was looking at the patients diagnosed from 2004 until 2013 and there was a really big group of patients, um, 840 with breast cancer, prostate, lung and uh, colorectal cancer and they have found that out of those patients the, the, those ones who used alternative treatment were more likely to die um, from cancer and they were more likely to die qu quicker from uh, cancer for, uh, comparing to those who used um, conventional medicine. So this is not new. The study isn't the first in its, in its scope. There were other t studies done all around the world. Um, one of the uh, ones that um, Ed Ernst referring to is a Korean research study that's done exactly the same. So they compared um, several hundred patients and um, the, the group also was split between those who used CAM and those who used con conventional. Um, then there was a study in Norway uh, where they've uh, used a big group of 515 patients and so the death rates were higher in CAM users but 79% than in those who did not use CAM 65% and of course the Americans um, published their own study some time ago so it's great <laughs> because obviously it's reaffirming what we've already known um, 
and uh, of course um, at the conclusion is some forms of come uh, might be effective in supportive or palliative care of cancer patients however if it is used or recommended as a cancer therapy the alarm bells should be going off and even though well, I am reassured by this because obviously we need to rely on medicine regardless of how you know we obviously can't cure cancer 100%, but we're doing the be our best. But I don't know if these findings will help people who choose come, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I can think of a few people that I know who would look at this and say, you know, <laughs> that's not still not good enough. So, But I guess um, all that uh, uh, researchers and scientists can do is keep going and uh, keep at it. Yeah, I, I guess mm -hmm. the, the science is there, but... Uh... Uh, as you said, people who believe in other things will not pay attention to it. Okay, let's go to Germany, where we... Uh, the, the, the GWUP, or G-W-U-P, as it would be uh, pronounced in English, uh, they are the, the German skeptics. They do have a yearly test of uh, paranormal... Uh, abilities they call it the site tests so the site tests of uh, 2017 was performed in Würzburg in Germany uh, and thanks to uh, Michael von Jakan in Austria to send us this uh, information uh, they did um, three different tests this year one test was to uh, find a current carrying cable under several dummy cables. Uh, the other was a, an attempt to move uh, a piece of aluminum foil uh, or light metal wheel. The third one was uh, to do a, a more classical dowsing rod test. And guess what? Nobody who was tested actually managed to do better than chance. So um, we're not surprised. Uh, I, I, I really applaud the German skeptics for doing this year after year because it's easy to be complacent and say, well, this doesn't work, so why should we bother? But I think there's a lot of people who still believe in this and I think we should continue to try to, to show scientifically what's real or what's not and if it would work it would be fantastic but uh, time after time we, we test this and it just doesn't work so uh, good work for the GVUP and um, I hope they well they I'm sure they will keep it up in in the future yeah Talking about things that have been tested and turned out not to work um, homeopathy and uh, in Hungary, there is a car, uh, there is a party that is called the Rationalist Party. It's not been officially registered yet, but uh, they already have started a campaign uh, to hold a referendum against homeopathy and the use of homeopathy as medicine. Mm. Now, I'm pretty sure that they are shooting themselves on the foot with that that uh, <laughs> initiative because uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that the, the public will not reject homeopathy that way but wh why it might be good and uh, we have been discussing it among ourselves within within the Hungarian Skeptic Society we have nothing to do with this uh, initiative 
but um, it might be elevating the discussion of uh, homeopathy um, in the public. So that is a, a, a very good side of that kind of idea. But um, one of the one of the things that that are a bit concerning is that um, it's not very accurately phrased the the actual question that they want to hold a referendum on. So they, the, the, yeah, there are there are a couple of debates because what they they basically focus on is that um, whatever is not scientifically proven to work. And there are no clinical trials that back that uh, it, it could be used as, as uh, uh, medicine should not be advertised and sold as medicine. But the problem is that most of them, so it's the regulations are a bit more complicated than that. So some of them are, um, some of them claim to have some scientific background and they, they can claim that they have behind them some positive clinical trials and even though we can discuss whether those trials are actually valid it's still not as easy as not having any evidence to their efficacy at all hmm. so it's a poorly phrased question but i'm really hoping that this could elevate the the public debate about homeopathy in hungary yeah. so we'll see what happens yeah Okay, I think that that has been all that we had planned for this week in terms of covering news items, which means we are moving on to our next segment, which will be Pontus talking about someone or something that has been really wrong out there. Today I want to talk about fake news uh, and how important it is that we all keep an eye open for that there's been uh, one example in the news lately uh, and that is that quote Russian scientists discover cure to homosexuality and the to homosexuality is well it's a bit cure of or for I don't know what the prefix is to that but um it's made around lately anyway on the social media and it claims that uh, Dr. Dmitry Yushrokov-Shlamini, whoever he is, he seems to have discovered a vaccine against homosexuality if, quote, treated at a young age. And how young do you have to be before when you realize you're homosexual? Actually, it turns out uh, really young. Um, before conception. Yeah, more more or less, more or less. <laughs> of course, this is 100% nonsense. And the article posted at loyalus.com, and don't go there. We will instead link to a Snopes article. Uh, that article is full of claims that makes no sense whatsoever. It's very quick to find out that there is no Russian Institute for the Medical Science in Novosibirsk. Although there is a Russian Academy of Science there, but, but it's not the same thing. Uh, <laughs> and going back to the, the very young age, another st stupidity in the article is that the so-called vaccine needs to be administered prenatal. Uh, that, that's before birth. Into the baby. <laughs> into the baby before okay. you're born. How would that work? We would vaccinate your fetus before it's born. 
Oh and, and, and it's extremely dangerous because they, they have to like inject it through the belly. I don't know. Yeah, a long needle know. is required. I, I don't even want to know what the idea is. Yeah, well, the way the way it probably works is that you look at the ultrasound and you, you look at the fetus and you see the gayness and, and then you <laughs> put a big needle in there and just to or make sure. Or you just sure. probably vaccinate everybody. Just to oh, that, yeah, that, of that's, course. That's one. Okay, that's, that's another. You still need to go through... You you can't yeah. vaccinate the mother, the mother to be. You have to vaccinate yeah, yeah. the fetus, I suppose. So you have to you have to poke through the uterus and and everything. So yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's the question is the question yeah. is is it gender specific, or or the vaccination, or it makes you so it's an intelligent so called intelligent kind of vaccination, so that it makes you not deviate from the norm so-called norm of loving the other gender uh, it, it's, so. not, it's not quite apparent from the article but i uh, you okay. know from experience i know that people seem to be very much more and uh, you know concerned of male homosexuality than female homosexuality mm. for some reason which is just as illogical as anything else i i i hope that all listeners of the show fully agree that being gay is it not in any way harmful and it's not even i mean no even if it was i mean it's not curable it's not a d- disease even so you no know, since it's, it's not a disease you can't cure it you know it's rather <laughs> yeah. than it's like having blue eyes it, it, you know can you cure that that's stupid mm. yeah well but anyway this article has been shared all over the internet as if it was a real thing and we see this kind of thing all the time and i'm amazed that people are so lazy that they don't investigate before they share these kinds of things Mm -hmm. but i'm also happy that my browser warns me that the site in question is on the viral monitor which is driven by the metro newspaper in sweden yeah so this that the viral monitor keeps a list of unreliable websites so before I click it, I get a warning, and that, that I really like that, and that gives me some hope that actually some well certain establishments are actively working to fight fake news. So that that's the good part of this segment, and especially while we're still waiting for uh, Facebook to to do that, that they they have announced already that that it, it was going to happen but it's it's still not happening yeah yet. we're still waiting as you say yeah, yeah yeah so but you know you can't stop fake news sites for 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 publishing things that they think will generate a lot of clicks and and that will drive uh, advertising money that that will always happen happen but for all the people out there who share these fake news without bothering to check the validity in advance, this week's prize for being really wrong goes to you. Shame on you. Don't share that. Agreed. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, Pontus. Thank you. Yeah, let's listen to some very optimistic and positive things about upcoming events and stuff and uh, other organizations, and then we'll finish off the show. Hmm. Thank you. 
2017 is fast approaching and you don't want to miss it. In the past, QED has brought you the Arrows of Time, the origin of recording, an escape from the Westboro Baptists, the sex bias of sex science, and all manner of other science, pseudoscience, activism, slacktivism, and more. Plus, insects for breakfast. Mmm, yum. QED 2017 takes place on the 14th and 15th of October in Manchester, England. We've already announced speakers like Sophie Wilson, co-inventor of the ARM computer chip, Simon Singh, who will be showing how to crack a genuine Enigma machine, Phil Scrayton talking through the real-life cover-up of the Hillsborough tragedy, and physicists Helen Chersky and Tim O'Brien. We'll have a live show from the Parapod Boys, and the whole event will be emceed by ace magician Dave Anik. Have some laughs, meet some new friends, make new connections, all for only £109, including all the main stage talks, panels, podcasts, workshops, our Saturday night entertainment, and lots more. Check out qedcom.org for details. We'll see you in October. never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us, but there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by binsound.com. All right, and this is that very moment when we actually finish the show and nothing else to finish it with, but with a very nice quote presented by Yelena. I have a quote today from a German-born professor who used to be a president of Stanford University, Gerard Kasper. Mm-hmm. He said, The search to know has always been characterized by the need to doubt, the need to be critical, including the need to be self-critical. Mm. Love that. Yeah, love that. You know, being Which, critical is 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 always sort of easy. Being self-critical is harder. But in a way, if you can be self-critical, that makes your criticism towards others and and the works of others um, a bit more sophisticated as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. Thank you very much. Pleasure. That is nice. Okay. And indeed, I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today, Pontus and Yelena. Sure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And until next week, when we're coming back with uh, an interview episode, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. 
We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Frob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Why do you always have to start with um? Well, it doesn't matter. We always edit it out, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and Pontus, you both know. Anyways. <laughs> I want to talk about um, a noble... No, start again. A noble person? Noble. Can I tell you something about one of my brain fucks? Go on. <laughs> Whenever I hear someone say cancer patient, mm-hmm. the the first thing that comes to my mind is a constipation. <laughs> Thank you very well, much. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, now we know that about Andres. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's that's the f- my first association. Okay. <laughs> cancer patient constipation. All right. You can't blame me for it. It, it really sounds well. Silly. I can actually. Mm. I can blame you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Right. Vaccine against homosexuality. Homosexu- homosexuality. That's hard to say. <laughs>